Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Uh, Take two. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, How's it going, April? It is fabulous, James. Thank you very much. (laughs) We made it to episode 17. We did. Uh, I hate technology. Well, technology hates me. Let's put it that way. It's okay. We'll figure it out. It'll work out one day. So what's been going on with your collection since the last time we talked? Anything? Honestly, I have no idea because I've been in Arkansas. So uh, my eggs are just chilling in the incubator. Hopefully things are going well. Um, My roommate checked on a female that's supposed to lay for me and still nothing. So no real changes for me. So you had that uh, blood python clutch with the funky eggs. Some of them plumped up, right? Yes. About half of them plumped up and look fine. Uh, One of them I'm pretty sure is going to be so smelly when I get home and that's going to get removed from the bunch. The other ones I've seen things hatch out a really ugly egg. So maybe I really don't. I'm not. I don't have hope for it. But you never know. So I'm just gonna let them go until they get super nasty. Have you tried to candle any of them? Uh, I did, and because they were so dented, it was very, very hard for me to get any of the light through to see anything. So that's like I can't definitively say if you know it was good or not. Yeah, I, I I don't know because I don't deal with stupid eggs. Yeah, well, now you have a bunch of little worms hanging around. So. I do. And they all started shedding. They started shedding like, t- oh, uh, like a day and a half ago. So now, like, every time I check in, there's little tiny skins all over the place. <laughs> Are you going to separate them now, or were they already separated? I'll separate them after they all shed. I keep them so when the Samboas, when, they, when they're born, I put them all in one tub uh, with just paper towels, and I spray the hell out of it. It stays pretty wet in there all the way through them shedding. Um, and then once they all shed, I separate them out into individual tubs which tells me that I need to hurry up and get this litter sold so that I can buy like two more racks because I just realized I've got four. I didn't just realize, but I know I have four litters this year. And uh, if if there are 26 snakes again, like this one, I'm screwed. You're going to have a hard time finding room for all of them. It's it's this this is going to have some roommates. They're going to have to to buddy up. Oh, this is like on this episode of what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. But they, uh, they're cool. They, um, yeah, they're, it's, it's so weird. It's the biggest litter I've ever had. And when she just kept pumping out babies, I was like, Oh God, I was expecting like less than 20, but she had 26. And like I said before, she had 26, one stillborn and one infertile ovum. And then on the second day, one, uh, one of the 26 died. So I'm at 25 right now. That's still a huge number. It's a lot of babies considering there's still three more litters to come. Especially, like, I feel like those snakes, the females, aren't that huge. Like, how oh, they, fit them they, all? They, they are when they're pregnant. I mean, they... That's intense. They're massively fat when they're pregnant. Uh, and then I went back and checked my records, and the person I got it from, this is one of the ones... So I picked up four females last year because I needed some babies. And this is actually one of the ones that had actually bred before, and its last litter was 22 or 24. So this is not far off for what it had. 
So, and it's not even my biggest female. I've got a huge female that I bred two years ago and she only had, I think less than 20, like 16 or something. So this female is not as big, but man, she, uh, she produces a lot. I mean, that's good. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. I need to get them sold so I can buy more snakes. That's the whole reason I breed so I can buy more snakes. Right. So our guest today also works with snakes that do live birth. So we have Megan from Megaconda on. Thank you so much, Megan. We go way, way back. So I'm super glad to have you on uh, for part two because we already recorded this once <laughs> and uh, it didn't really work. But Megan, hello. Thank you for being hello. here. Yeah, Megan, we go way back to last week when we tried this before. All right. I, I like how I, you guys I, have like a full blown conversation and I'm just sitting here on mute, like just waiting. I legit was like, maybe I should introduce her quicker so she can <laughs> join in too. I realized I realized we never actually do any like, hey, what's going on? We always just jump straight into it. And this time of year we actually have shit going on. So I was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna pause and talk about my babies. Mainly yeah, but so, we, I could have been in this too. Yeah, but I wanna self publicize <laughs> myself so that people wanna buy babies from me. That's my whole I'm going to pull the uh, the Eric Burke thing. I'm going to have a podcast, and everybody will listen to me talk about my snakes, and then they'll all buy my snakes from me. So what are you breeding exactly? I missed that part. Samboas. Okay. Min- I didn't th- hear that. They're just, they're just miniature anacondas. They're very similar. I got a rosy boa. He's pretty cool. He bit me a oh, couple weeks ago. That does remind me. I actually do think I have a pregnant rosy boa also, so that'll be five, five litters. I just got one, okay? like It's just like a pet someone gave me, my friend gave me. It's cool. I got all these big things, then I have this one tiny little snake. I bought a pair of Mexican rosy boas in Daytona in like 2006 or seven because my wife, she's like, I want these. And then they became mine. And so I was like, That's let's how it try works and bring with them. Children too, isn't it? That's how it works with everything. <laughs> with, you say with, with children? <laughs> yeah, we're children. Not like I want a child <laughs> and here you have to take care of something. I, I meant like where the kids go like, hey, I want I want a, I don't know, a dog. And then you end up taking care oh, yeah, of it. No, no I, I've squashed that. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, the wife just got the dog instead. Oh, no, your dog, that no, dog's yours. Huh? That dog, I call it mine. It, it's mine unless it chews stuff up or shits in the house. And then it's definitely Katie's. No, oh, you're one of those. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when it does something wrong, it's hers. That's funny. I did that with my boyfriend where I got him some pancake tortoises because he really wanted some tortoises. And then two years later, they're mine. Yep. Typical. Gosh. It's fine. <laughs> I like them. They're cool Kidding. shit. I had, I had one and unfortunately it passed away, but I, I, it's one of my favorite tortoises. I love pancake tortoises. They, they do really better cool. in pairs. Yeah, mine was... You need two of them. Mine was lonely then. I mean, okay. broken heart. I've gotten pretty good with my sulcatas since I've moved them outside, though. My sulcatas do well outside. Uh, it's just I, that's one thing I, I can't get over just being in sulcata groups and seeing so many people talk about bringing their 30 or 40 or 50 pound tortoises inside. I saw a picture the other day of one in a bathroom and the whole toilet was knocked off the bolts and just like laying on its side. That's not very smart. Yeah, they're, they're tanks. And every time I see someone go, Yeah, I bring it in during the winter, I'm like, That's messed up. <laughs> I, had, I had more choice words for that, but I decided just to. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are in a barn outside during the winter. There's no way I'm bringing them in. He'll tear everything up. Well, you're also in the south. It's warmer. Maybe that person was way up north and they were going to freeze. Maybe they got to build a better barn. I, maybe. I'm not saying no against that. <laughs> anyway. So, so, all right. Let's go ahead and hop over to our Facebook page real quick. And we'll. Get that out of the way. Where well, we had a couple of questions this week. I had a couple of questions because April's busy with her new job, so I got to pick up the slack. 
I know. <laughs> well, I was happy. I was happy. Actually, one of the questions kind of came from uh, Ryan Cox. So our buddy Ryan had this one. It was about raising reptiles as feeders. So it says, what do you think about raising reptiles to be feeders for other reptiles? Uh, so things like breeding corn snakes, bearded dragons, ball pythons, uh, some of the easier to breed things and selling them for these people that are breeding these animals that are by, na- by nature reptile eaters, not, you know, small fuzzy rat and mice eaters like we want them to be. What animal in the hobby would eat a bearded dragon? Uh, any snake out of Australia, I would imagine. Any bigger lizard? That's true. I just feel like that would be a very uncomfortable meal. I mean, you look at Australia, <laughs> they don't have many options. I mean, there are there are mammals there, but there's a lot of reptiles there for them to eat. Yeah, I would yeah. think they'd go for like a soft gecko instead of a hard, crunchy, bearded dragon. But hey, you got everyone's got to eat. Got to eat. So was, yep. <laughs> so I was looking at all, all of our answers were uh, about the same. Um, I was actually kind of surprised, but not at the same time because our audience is kind of like us. So, so we we did this question. What was originally? What was your your thought when we posted this question? Uh, what was my answer to this question? Or yes, 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 your answer. <laughs> yeah, I would. Um, Riley Jimison's one of my buddies, and he has snake eaters. And I even said, I'm like, hey, if I have some stuff that isn't doing well or dies out of the egg, something like that, you're welcome to have them. He's like, all right, cool, thanks. So yeah. I have no issue. Yeah, Riley Post, he says he's trying to breed ball pythons again to be able to offer for his Drymarcon, mm-hmm. which are naturally yep. snake eaters. Yeah. Uh, just because it's it's a tricky thing. Like I like um, viper boas. But the problem with viper boas is viper boas don't want to eat mice. They naturally want to eat like lizards and stuff. And so that's one reason I don't own viper boas. And, uh, see, Brendan Frisella, I guess I say his last name, talked about viper boas and having that issue. Um, and so it's it's definitely something we should do. It's the problem. People is, probably do it, honestly. Well, it's it's a logistics issue. Uh, they don't, you know, reptiles don't breed as much as mice. You know, mice you can pop out babies like every thirty five days or whatever. Yeah. Uh. So that's an issue. I know there are people that collect like the uh, browner knolls down there in South Florida, the, the invasive ones. Those will collect those and sell them. Uh, but I think one of the things that you've got to deal with when, when all this comes around is, one, it's going to be more expensive buying reptiles to feed than it would be a mouse. You know, uh, a mm-hmm. pinky mouse costing, you know, 20 cents or whatever. You know, a, a lizard's probably going to cost you a couple dollars just because of the time it took to get it. Um, I was looking through some of them. Uh, it's just so many people answered, but it's all the same thing over and over again is yeah. And, and I, I think the people that would say no are, are not like, they don't tend to be our friends. Our friends tend to be more pragmatic and understand what these animals eat. I think the ones that say no, don't say it out of a place of, uh, how do I say this? They're not, they're not like, don't do it. It's horrible, but they like reptiles. And so it's hard for them to feed a reptile to a reptile. Right. But then I kept seeing on that question, everyone saying, well, snakes got to eat too. You know, it's, it's not like it's unheard of, you know, cause we feed, we have feeder mice, like you said, and some well, snakes and, eat snakes. So we got to get feeder snakes. It, and, it is what it is. Right. And all the fuzzy animal lovers hate us because we feed fuzzy animals to our snakes. I mean, rats are really cute. Not male rats. They look, I mean, 
They got the big old balls hanging out behind. It's gross. That's okay. Why. Hey, my dog still has his, okay? It's not that gross. <laughs> it's not as – look, dog ball oh, – this is going to be a weird conversation. You still have yours. Is it gross I, to my, you? I, I don't leave them hanging out as I walk around. They don't <laughs> flop out in the open. <laughs> like, like rat balls drag on everything. So I can't imagine owning a pet rat and letting it crawl on you and knowing that its testicles are rubbing on you everywhere it goes. Well, uh, male rats smell really bad too. So a lot of times at pet stores, if you're going to have a pet rat, um, they would not be male. Good to know. I or at least one. don't buy one that's male. I think no, that's anyone who totally wants different. <laughs> what? What were you going to say, Megan? Uh, nothing. Nothing. I could have said something, and it just would have been totally inappropriate, but it would have been so funny. You know what? We don't do inappropriate on this podcast, Megan. He's lying. <laughs> I had a rat once. Someone so someone gave me two female rats. They bought them as feeders or something, and their animal didn't eat. I said, I got these two female rats, and I had the idea in college. And I was like, I'm going to keep these two female rats and just go buy a male and breed them. And I did. For a little while, and then I was just like, eh, I'm done. This is a pain in the ass. I think the male finally died, and I was like, all right, it's time to feed out the moms. I'm done with it. I'm tired of cleaning cages. Because Yeah, I'll, I'll pay someone else to breed rats for me. I, uh, I ordered this week. I ordered from, from Rodent Pro, and I actually had my first issue with Rodent Pro, and this is not a knock on Rodent Pro. This is the first time I've ever had an issue with them. Uh, two of my things didn't come in um, in the order, which is which the bad part was they were actually not mine. I ordered they. I did a collective order and someone else ordered and it was their two items, but I emailed rodent pro and they fixed it. They said they're shipping out that stuff for me on Tuesday. So awesome. Turn around. I'm going to get that stuff. No problem. Uh, but all your pinkies, your pinkies for days. I got my pinkies. I, I sat down with my uh, vacuum sealer the other day and sort of vacuum sealing pinkies tend to a bag. <laughs> Cause if you don't vacuum seal those damn things, they get freezer burnt in about a day and a half. Yes, they, have true, no, they have no hair. And so they're yep. a pain in the butt. But yeah, That's I would, smart. Pro I would, tip. Yes, get a, if, get a vacuum sealer. Anybody out there, even even if you have one sick, it's so much easier and cheaper, so much cheaper to order frozen rodents offline. So get your vacuum sealer. If you have one snake and you order 50 whatever, uh, fuzzies or whatever, vacuum seal them and then feed them out over the next – I mean, once you vacuum seal them, I think they're good for like a year and a half. I'm not going to lie. I feel pretty dumb because I never thought of that before. Oh, yeah, I did a long time. I started vacuum sealing rodents. So I, think, I think I read somewhere, frozen, they're good for like, just frozen, I think they're good for like six months. But if you vacuum seal them, it's like a year, year and a half or something like that. It really extends the life of the rodent in your freezer. Hmm. Yeah, rodent's life. It's already dead. <laughs> well, the, the, shelf, the shelf life of your rodent. What do you, wait, are you saying if I warm it up, it doesn't come back to life? Unfortunately, no. Damn it. I was going to put it in the microwave. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it might explode. I don't think it's a mite. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I always wish I had a, a microwave I was going to throw away just so one time I could microwave a rat. That's disgusting. I mean, you can I, do that, but no, that costs money you're going to have to just get a new microwave. Yeah. I like my microwave, so. They have some really cheap microwaves if you really wanted to. <laughs> Could you imagine setting that at the end of the road and then those people that always drive around to pick up trash? Like, not the tr- garbage men. I know they pick up trash. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about, like, like when you watch. pick up, yeah. Yeah, you appliances. watch folks driving around with the old beat-up car and, like, their whole house is just full of shit they picked up off the side of the road. Imagine when they get to the side of the road and they go, a nice, shiny microwave. And they think, oh, yeah, and they open that and it looks like a murder scene. 
That's disgusting. Like that's what you get for taking people's trash. That's absolutely disgusting. But you know, still kind of amusing. I picked up a broken wine cooler thing, like refrigerator for like your wine off the side of the road one time, turned it into an incubator. Fancy. It was nice. <laughs> I had an incubator like that and it worked really freaking well. Really, we'll really well. It. Uh, uh, I moved uh, and the door got fucked up. Like it got bent so the seal wasn't good anymore. That's so nice. then you refix it. You drill new holes, you fix the hinges, you no, get no, to go. No, 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 no. no. Not, not, not April. Not April. No. <laughs> April. He knows me so April, well. April's, April's too not fa- that handy. She's too fancy to try to have to do that. That's, I she, just she, bought she a throw it away. I'm, hot box. I'm not saying, she'd rather throw it away and buy a new one. I know That's what I did. I know for a fact that not a minute went through her head going, I can fix this if I just, she saw it and went, oh, well, I'll buy a new one. I'm done. Yep. No, see, I'm like the whole, like, if I see something broken, like, I'm going to fix it. Like, that's me. Like, I built all my cages for one stack in my room. Everything in my room, I built myself with the help of my father because he owns a machine shop. And so it's easy to build things. So, like, I can, I, I, see, I, see, I can't talk. I see something broken, I go and fix it. Or, like, I see something I want to build, I build it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, the whole door was bent. How would you fix that? You could have made, made a new door. Yeah. You could have framed it out of wood and done the hinges, and then you could have done some weather sealing around it, and it would have worked just fine. So, you know, wood on incubators don't work that great. It'll still work. I have a wood no, incubator. They don't last as long. Trust me. Like, my brother had one for his retace. It didn't last very long. I have a really, really nice wooden incubator, but the problem is I don't breed anything that lays eggs. <laughs> so, so That's I, a waste. <laughs> I know some. So a, a friend of mine who got in and got out of reptiles. Say a friend, an acquaintance of mine who got in and got out of reptiles quickly. During his period of being into reptiles, we did ball pythons. And another friend of mine who builds cages and breeds berms and builds incubators, built him a really nice wooden incubator. It's like a three foot tall, really nice wooden incubator with a herpstat uh, thermostat built into it and all. And so the, my friend bought it. And then he got out of reptiles. He's like, here. Well, when he bought it, he had the other friend deliver it to my house. He never picked it up. He's like, you can have it. So now I have a three-foot incubator that I'm just, it looks pretty in my room. I feel like I know who you're talking about, but I'm not going to say. No, no, no. This was, this was, this is over here in Louisiana. It's different. I'm aware of this. I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. All right. Maybe. But. So I have a I have a really nice incubator. I even added like LED lights to it, and uh, I put a little fan, a little computer fan into it, so that it would circulate air, and then it just sits there. Yeah, mine has LED lights and a fan also, and I just threw money at someone and got it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you could do if you start breeding your tortoises is you use that. No, no, not no. Tortoise. I'm not I don't know tortoises. how to tortoise. I don't know how to breed tortoises. No, it's not that. I'm not, I'm not breeding tortoises. I refuse. I mean, you're talking about having tortoises. It sounds like you have a lot. I've got like five. I've got five. That's enough to breed. Yeah, but I refuse to breed. I'm not doing it. One, so I don't. What if they I, do it on their own and they bury their eggs and you just get a bunch of babies all of a sudden? And you're like, oh. Uh, well, here's one thing. One, my female is not anywhere close to being big enough. And because of bad keeping on my part years and years ago, she has been. She's much smaller than she should be, so things don't line up. They don't work. She's probably never going to. And the rest of them are all males. They shove each other around like idiots in the yard. <laughs> so I, I'm good. Uh, and the other thing is I would 
in their yard, it's all grass. So I would see if someone dug a hole. So I'd be able to find it and I would chunk them. The only problem is I think there's too many sulcatas out there already. I mean, I agree 100%. And, and I know that, I know that it's one of those things where we, we always talk about people shouldn't breed, yet we breed snakes. Uh, I, I know it's kind of messed up because I own sulcatas. And if someone coming along goes, I want a sulcata, it's kind of like the pound. There is a sulcata out there you can rescue. It's like, don't go buy a dog. You can rescue a dog. Don't go buy a sulcata. There's there's some out there you can rescue. They're they're everywhere. Excuse me, I bought a dog. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd buy a dog too because I don't know if y'all got this yet, but I'm bougie. So. You're bougie. You went and bought ball sack cats from like four states away. So from a con- different country, actually. But oh so yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> Listen, my dog is cute as hell, and her cats are probably amazing feeling. Okay, they are not there. I don't, I don't know. I haven't, t- I haven't touched them, but I can only imagine they feel like dry, rough ball sacks. No, they feel like micro suede couches. I like the naked cats. Yeah. I don't know why. If I ever get a cat, it's gonna be a naked cat. Yeah. I don't like cats in general. I definitely don't want one that looks like a, a sack of testicles walking around my house. I don't Ooh, like cats either, one. but I love these guys. I don't like cats either, and you own two that cost you. I know, you make you make fun of me every time this comes up. You make fun of me about it, but yes. I'm telling you, they don't act like normal cats. Normal cats are like, "Fuck you, just feed me. I'm gonna <laughs> do what I want." These cats are like, "Where are you, mom? Why did you leave me alone? I want to be in your lap." Because they like to be warm, so like, because they have because they're naked, right? So are you saying cats. that they don't like me? They're just using me for my warmth. That's all cats. Ninety percent of the time, yes. Oh my god, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> See, and our dogs are rescue dogs. So the last one we got came from a pound. And she's very cute. She is awesome. I, we've been very lucky with her. She, if, if anyone asks, she is a lab mix, but she's a pit bull. She's a lab mix. And Terrell has a, a lab mix also. <laughs> if, ins- if insurance ever asks, we bought a lab mix. Yeah. Papers, lab mix, and uh, emotional support dog. What if they go and DNA test it? Like they have that now for dogs. It's it's a lab mix. It'll be messed up. They messed up the DNA. I promise it's a lab mix. (laughs) Our our last our last dog was also a a, was a pit mix, but we called it a lab mix in public. And you'd have people like come up and pet him and love on him because he was great. And the moment they ask what he is, he goes, "Oh, he's part pit bull." You'd see them step away. I'm like, you were just rubbing the dog and playing. He was licking. I'm like, whatever. People suck. Yeah. This is true. So, all right. So that was, our, that was a long ways from our first question about should reptiles be bred as feeders. It really, um, really was. My, my, so what's funny is every now and then my dad will comment on, uh, on the post. And he's not a reptile person at all. Anything he knows has been with me. And he'll, he'll, he usually just does shit to, to annoy people. So he, he said, uh, how would everyone feel if you replaced raising reptiles with food with raising cats and dogs for food? And for a long time, I've thought, man, if there was a way to euthanize larger dogs and cats uh, humanely without chemicals and all, they'd be awesome feeders for things like anacondas and berms and retics, big snakes that eat like pigs in general. I would Do you know how big big dogs are compared to like what a big anaconda could eat? Because, yes, they're very big bodies, but I can give mine like an eight-pound rabbit, and it's a massive lump in my biggest one. Well, yeah, they eat capybaras in the wild. I'm aware of this, but like, it's huge. I wouldn't give it. I've had I've fed a stillborn goat before. Okay, like I got it dead. It was dead when it was born. Just put that out there. It, 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 it could, could easily lose their mind. It could easily swallow a cat. 
Oh yeah, easily. Oh yeah, my cats are about eight pounds, eight and a half pounds. Or or Maybe a small dinner. or a small to medium. But I'm not saying feed them like Rottweilers. I mean that's a big dog. It's a big meal. But there are tons of small. I don't know if people are going to talk about killing dogs and cats. But if, if anybody actually knew how many dogs and cats are killed on a daily basis in this country, it would sicken you. But uh, I just think they go to waste. They get killed. They get incinerated. They go to waste. If you could find a way to turn them into a usable thing, such as food for their animals. I think it would be great. The problem is we, we don't like doing that stuff because dogs and cats are cute. And they're more personality. Well, it's the same reason we're the one country that doesn't eat horse. Like the rest of the world eat horses, but we don't because we had Mr. Ed and Mr. Ed was cute. He talked. I do. So, okay. I don't, I don't remember Mr. Ed because it's like way before my time. But I remember my dad talking about Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed is talking. <laughs> they used to put peanut butter on his mouth so he, he would move his lips like he was talking. I, I know that part. I just, I never saw it. I just know because of it's old and like, yeah. <laughs> like when I worked at the zoo, the meat we fed to the alligators and the meat we fed of to all the cats was horse, but it's, it's not for human consumption because we can't have human consumption horse meat in the United States. And I, and all that stems from, we like horses. But Where'd thinking, the, but where'd you they get eat, it from? Those people that farm horses for, for meat for <laughs> that. But the thing is like it, Farming a horse is no different, meat-wise, thinking about it, than farming a cow. It's yeah, just it. we've accepted cows as our food, and horses are friendly. But I'm telling you right now, if the horse meat came in and it was for human consumption, I'd have eaten that stuff. It's lean. There's almost no fat on it. It's really good-looking meat, but it's a stigma thing. So I think that's yeah. a, it's a reason why some people don't want to feed reptiles to reptiles, because those people like reptiles, and and, and it bothers them, but I mean, we just lot, came full circle. I know a lot of these things eat them in the wild. That's just how it is. Except for anaconda. Well, then anacondas eat caiman, so they do eat reptiles in the wild too. They'll also eat each other, which is a very big fear of when I'm trying to breed. Um, yeah, you gotta like be very careful when you're introducing a male because a female might. I've never had it happen, but like it's a possibility. So it's always in the back of your mind, like why or like if this is gonna happen do you leave them like overnight as well no i i mean yeah but not i sit there for like an hour or two or i'll be in the room <laughs> i interview some i also have cameras and like yeah i was gonna say you put your cameras up make sure i have cameras good. in my cages so i can check it at any time you know yeah i'd be afraid like you leave for the night and then come back and you're like why is there only one in here i swear i put two in here <laughs> i've had like scares like that but then something's just under the paper i'm like oh okay oh but, like, my god your heart stop no kidding i would be like oh no so have you have you that. ever tried multiple males Cause, you know that's that's the always the stereotypical like picture of anacondas breeding in the wild is always the anaconda breeding ball so have you ever tried multiple males on one female Yes, all the time. Do they, do they just at ball the up? At the same time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the same time. Um, so the way I do it is I try to choose which male I want to breed that female. And you, so what I do is I'll put both males in, which is basically just creates competition. And yeah. then they'll start trying whatever. And then once the one that I want to get the job done is like, you know doing the job i'll pull the other male but i have had it where both i mean i have done it where like i didn't care which male was because it was like a first time female and i just wanted to see what the babies would look like from either male but like you can always tell but like so like 
once one is fully locked, then I'll pull the other male out because usually he'll stop trying or he's just like still trying and there's just not, he's like the third wheel. <laughs> <laughs> but like I have pictures and I'll send them to you guys if you want to like put them in there or whatever. But like where it's like two males wrapped around one female, I've only had two successfully at the same time make a breeding ball with a female. Like I've had a third male in there before and the third male was just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> But like, uh, yeah, I have had it where it's like a big ball around her tail, and it's like it's really cool looking. Yeah, it's like National Geographic in your snake room. Yeah, pretty much. I I use the two male method with my samboas sometimes. Oh, this this past time with all my samboas, I had two males that I wanted. They were both younger that I wanted to have them breed with my females, and I don't think that any of them did anything. So I ended up putting my uh, older male in. And when I did that, the other males started to try, but I don't think they succeeded. The, the older male definitely did the job. So all four of these litters have the same daddy just because he gets around. But it definitely does get, the, get them to start trying. I've seen people like, they'll take skins from other males and stuff, throw them in there to get that smell. You can even get like a shed from like a female that's also cycling and throw it in there and get the males to go. Oh, wow. I mean, I have, I don't think I've ever done that, but I've heard of people doing that and stuff and it working. Like I, I have one male, her name, his name is Blue. April loves him. Yes. I love Blue. So he will breed anything. If he smells a female, he's in breed mode. Yeah. That's, that's the dad to all of these Samboas and these litters. It's my Annery male and he'll breed a piece of rope. Uh, I, I, that's, I, so I finally get, I was getting to the end. I was like, man, I'm not seeing my, my other males lock up like the way I want to. I was like, screw it. I need babies. And I threw him in, and he, I mean, it, he was in there less than 10 minutes. He was already trying to mate. Yeah, that's pretty much how my male is. I mean, I have another male that does get the job done, but he seems to be more picky with his females. So, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> I mean, sometimes he likes them thick, sometimes he doesn't. Huh? Well, you know, if, if Anaconda don't want none, unless it's got buns. No, shut up. oh you can't it's the problem is if you're on anacondas you're going to hear five million sir makes a lot jokes it's just no you're going to hear five million of them in one day yes but that is a great that is a great song that's a great song it's It's a great song no you're wrong baby got back is one of the greatest songs in american culture of all time here's the thing though a lot of people now who say it to me are Saying it from the Nicki Minaj song. Yeah, fuck, the, fuck those people. They're stupid. So it's not the Baby Back Got song, okay? It's the, the new one. The Baby Back Got song? Is that <laughs> what you just said? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh. Okay. I, for, for Sir Mix-a-Lot, I'm sure he's listening to our podcast. I apologize, Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> Listen, I've already struggled over my words like twice today, and you know that. Okay, I just can't talk. All right, I'm going to help you out. We're going to move on to a new topic to help you out, even though that's a great song and you're wrong. All right. I didn't say it wasn't. I just said <laughs> when people say it to me, it's from Nicki Minaj. Yeah, well, those people, those are idiots. They're I also youngest. get a lot of the stupid Anaconda movie references. I just want to like, okay. pull my hair out. I'm not going to lie. I love the movie Anacondas. Now, I, I know every single bit of it is wrong, and I point out every part. As I've gotten older, I point out more and more parts that are wrong. But I remember as a kid, I went on one of my first dates with a girl to see anacondas and then we went and ate pizza afterwards 
Um, and so I love that movie. And it's one of the few movies it's, it proves that. So, you know, people always talk about in horror movies, the black folks always die in horror movies. That movie is one of the ones that proved as long as the black person is a singer, they'll survive. They all, I, listen, Ice Cube survives that movie. Uh, Brandy was in, I know what you did last summer or one of those movies. I forget which one. Brandy survived her horror movie. Uh, LL Cool J survived the movie with the shark, but Samuel L. Jackson died. So as long as you're a singer, they don't kill you off in horror movies. Buster Rhymes survived a Halloween movie. Or you get the part in the, no matter what you are, who you are, you just audition for the part where the person survives. Because you already have a script. You know what happens. <laughs> you but, just got to earn that role. And if you don't earn that role, you get a different one and you're like J-Lo and you're dying. I, I loved Ice Cube in that movie. <laughs> That movie was great. Also, when they blew up the uh, the dam, and then like all the all the quote unquote baby anacondas fell on the boat, and there was like ball pythons and corn snakes and boa constrictors. I'm gonna be honest, never saw the movie. You've got to see. How can you not see anaconda? the rest of them? Kind of suck. You have to see it just to make fun of it. But the original anaconda, as long as you like cheesy horror movies, is a I great don't. cheesy horror. You don't like cheesy horror movies? Oh, no. Then you won't like it. Because one, I'm sitting there with my own anacondas watching this, and I'm just mad because I get so many stupid comments. Oh, yeah, no, you can't. And you I'm can. sitting there, and I'm sitting there like, "This is so stupid. This is so fake. Like, you're wrong." And then I'm I also get the comments of people who believe it's real, <laughs> and they're trying to tell me I'm wrong, and I'm just like, "Can't do it." Well, yeah, people are stupid. Very. I, but I love that movie. You've seen it, April, right? Yep. A really like long it? time ago, though. Oh. I don't because I don't like stuff that's not realistic. Like, I don't like the corny horror. I like the realistic, super gory uh, horror. I like goofy-ass horror. I love watching – did you ever watch Mystery Science Theater 3000? Nope. Oh, they used to watch the old sci-fi movies, and it was two robots and a guy, and they sat there and made fun of the whole – you've got to find old Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes. They're fucking maybe, hilarious. Maybe it'll be on Netflix. <laughs> it may be. I, they, had, they had a movie once, but there were, it was a TV show that came on sci-fi. And they were, they were on a spaceship. And there was two robots and a human, and you see the back of their heads the whole time as they watch these old corny like B movies. And uh, it's the comments they make throughout the whole thing. It, it's fucking hilarious. Y'all are y'all gotta get out more. Yeah, it sounds like a really good time. It really is. screw you. Go <laughs> All right, next question. So the next one was, what and where is your favorite reptile or amphibian zoo exhibit? Uh, because as a person grow, growing up as a person that loved reptiles, every time we went to a city that had a zoo, I was there. I was that kid that like, if we went to a city and it was raining that day, we're going to the zoo in the rain. You know? And then when I got older and I was a zookeeper, I was like, who the fuck is, cause I'd be walking on the zoo on a rainy day. I'm like, why are y'all here? And then I'm thinking, oh yeah, I did the same thing as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so there were, there are several zoos that have exhibits that just stick out in your mind. Now, granted, you two have been on the West coast. I've never been to the West coast. So San Diego. Yeah, so I don't know any of those zoos, and I, I mean, I don't. Hands down, I know San Diego Zoo. I just never been to it. I was, uh, I went when I was so young that I, at the time, wasn't paying attention to reptile exhibits, so I have no earthly idea if it's good or not. You worked at the LA Zoo. Oh, at the LA, that's different. So different. That San is different. Diego. It's in a different place. That's true. It, it is. It's different from San Diego Zoo. <laughs> I'm so, just saying, like she has experience with like the LA Zoo one, but like. 
you haven't been to San Diego a long time. What's wrong with you? Long time. And we're talking like over 20 years, long time. I went, I think, two years ago, last time I went. And it was like, okay, so like before that, I hadn't been since I like remodeled a bunch of it, which was when I was a kid. So, like, so you saw it when it was all remodeled and redone. Right. So Still, which exhibit was okay. awesome? What do you mean? Like, which animal? Which, which, reptile, like, which yeah. reptile exhibit sticks out in your mind there as being, oh, it's an awesome one to see? See, I don't know. So, like, <laughs> so, here's the thing. San Diego had the Bolins pythons, and the way they had them set up was really cool. I don't like how L.A. has the Bolins python set up. I actually don't like L.A.'s um, reptile setup. I don't either. Yeah. So, like, I don't like how they had the, like, Komodo set up. In LA, like, there was one in, in like one of the displays. It's just like this one strip in the front where you see it, and then everything else is plants where they hide. So you never see them like see it at all. Are we talking about you the one in LA, or is that San Diego? Yes, LA. Yeah. Now San Diego has a huge display of them, and there's like different enclosures. But like they have this one that's just all glass, and then you can walk around almost the entire thing, and it's all natural lit. So like the top of it has the sunlight coming in. And cool. the thing just sits there in the dead center and just basks all the time. Well, at least when the day I went, that's what it was doing. But it was really cool how like big the San Diego one was, and they had more. So L A got um, false gharials from I believe the Bronx Zoo, and that's at the time when um, the Bronx Zoo was having their show on Animal Planet. It might be or Discovery. Um, See, they're still and, doing it. Even San Diego had part of that show, too. They have an amazing croc exhibit for their gharials. It is amazing. I've only seen it on video. I would love to see it in person. But it is absolutely amazing. And it's huge, too. It's just, look it up. Or I'll post a picture of it. I'll find a picture and post it. It's really, really cool. But I haven't seen it in person, so I'm maybe watching. it's just in pictures. They edited it really well. I don't know. Maybe, but like I watched that on it's on Animal Planet, right? Is what they were doing. I because so. after the they did a ton of episodes with the Bronx Zoo, and then after a while they started going to like different zoos. I think they did Houston or maybe I don't know. I think it was Houston. They also did um, San Diego, like a couple episodes there. Like each one, it was like different types of animals each time. But like after they did like the full Bronx Zoo, that's they started moving to other zoos. I think they did Atlanta too. A couple episodes. I didn't watch it all, but like I've I've like found it just running on TV, so I'd watch it if I had the time. What about you, James? Which one stands out for you? Well, let me go through this list because some I I, I, being someone who worked in a zoo and has been to so many zoos, it's hard for one. But it was funny as so many people started naming them on this list. I was like, they they were the ones that were on my list. So let me go through some of them. My my friend Tracy said the Nashville Zoo, the Cayman Lizard uh, exhibit. I actually uh, interviewed with the Nashville I've Zoo. I've been there. Um, and yes, I, it's one true. of my favorite, it's one of my favorite reptile buildings on earth. I don't have to go now. It's, the Cayman exhibit is amazing. It's, it's all yes. glass front. It's land in the back, huge water feature on the front with giant Amazonian fish, giant branches coming out for the Cayman Lizards to sit on over the top of the water. And it's all grown with plants. It's it's got these huge like UV lights and all these. It's it's an amazing setup, and it's the way it Cayman is. lizards have to be kept. It's it's great. Paul and I went there a couple of years ago. He we were bored one day, and he's like, "Let's go to the zoo." So the national zoo is free to get in. 
No, 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 oh. not, the, not the National Zoo. The Nashville you said Zoo. Nash- oh, Nashville. Never mind. I heard National. I will talk about the National Zoo because that's one of mine. I, my my grandmother lives a, up there. It has another good like Cayman exhibit as well. But this is the, the Cayman Lizard exhibit at the Nashville Zoo. Okay. It, it is. It's the, the, the now I feel building. like a retard. Like, <laughs> you are, but it's okay. So I'm just kidding. Um, or or I'm not. So I'm, I'll believe it. <laughs> so. Uh, the Nashville Zoo, though, is one of my favorites. They also breed hellbenders. Um, a lot of that's done behind the scenes. Like I said, I interviewed there once for a job. I came down between me and one other person, and I didn't get it, and I was heartbroken for like a week. But uh, I love that zoo. So that was the first one. Tracy mentioned that. Justin Smith said the Xenogama because he, he always just fucking scientific names. Xenogama Taylori exhibit at the Jacksonville Zoo. I don't know what the fuck that is. I'm going to go with a frog. Since it's Justin, I'm assuming a frog. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I don't I, I know. The reptile world. But the Jacks, the Jacksonville Zoo in Florida is cool. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been there. I was in college, but they've got like a Maya. It's built inside like a Mayan temple, and so that's it's that's a really cool. cool look from the outside. Uh, Randy, I, I really I learned this guy's last name because he always posts on here. But Randy Pegues, Pegues, I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, said the Dallas World Aquarium because, and this is also one of my favorites. The Orinoco Crocodile Exhibit. So the Dallas World Aquarium is insane. I forget how many floors it is, maybe three or four. But they have Orinoco crocodiles inside, and it's not. I'm talking about like little ones, massive Orinoco crocodiles. You can see them from up above, like two floors up. That's cool. And then you can also see them at eye level. They're insane. They're huge. They're this like almost like golden color. They're beautiful, and they're I don't know how big they. They've got to be pushing eleven feet, twelve feet. But that part's great. There's also a great anaconda exhibit in that in the Dallas Aquarium. It's got a huge water feature full of like discus and neon tetras and a giant anaconda. The uh, Chicago Aquarium has a good anaconda exhibit as well. That's the shed. I haven't been to the shed aquarium. I want to go one of these times we go up. Uh, that was Ryan Cox on here. He said the shed aquarium. I've always heard that one is amazing. But the the Dallas one. If anybody ever gets to Dallas. The Dallas Zoo is okay, but the Dallas Aquarium is great. And then Riley Jemison said the St. Augustine Alligator Farm, the entire thing. I agree. But he also said the Gariel exhibit. Now, he's also a little uh, biased bias because he was there when they were like hatching Gariel babies. I mean, that, that would make me love that exhibit even more as well. But we were there uh, this year. That The alligator, for anybody who's never been to St. Augustine Alligator Farm, it is not an alligator farm. It never has been. It just... They had a shit ton of alligators way back in the day, and there was no other name. Like, they weren't going to call it an alligator zoo, so it was an alligator farm. But they have every species of crocodilian in the world at one place, and That's it's pretty really awesome. really neat. And you That's can see really saltwater cool. crocodiles at eye level. And That's so, really cool because they the, are impressive. Yeah. And you get to see their old, their old male, and it's going to sound a little, a little messed up, but he's stuffed inside of a building. But when you stand next to him, you realize how huge he was. It's like a bus with teeth. Yeah, uh, it was. James was very excited to take us there. <laughs> but it was a good. That was a good trip. Wasn't it? That's an awesome place. It was really cool. So I, I agree. Saint Augustine Alligator Farm. The whole place. If you're a reptile person, you've got to make it to the Saint Augustine Alligator Farm at some point, just because the whole place is amazing. Um, and then Ryan Cox said the Shed Aquarium and or the Fort Worth Zoo. So again, if you're in the Dallas area, the Dallas Zoo, and eh, it's okay. The Fort Worth Zoo, on the other hand, 
has this great building. Uh, my buddy Sean Gray uh, also said the the MOLA, it's M-O-L-A at Fort Worth Zoo. I forget what it stands. It's uh, Museum of Living Art, I think is what it is. But it's a reptile building they built. And I forget how many millions of dollars, but it's amazing. And you can sit there and eat in a little food court. One whole wall is a, I think it's Gariel's. I think it's a Gariel exhibit. It's either a Gariel or false false Gariel exhibit. But you're sitting there, and they've got tons of these little fish in the water that you can see because the water comes like halfway up the glass. So you can see the Gariel sitting there next to you while you're eating your McDonald's. It's that place. That's is really awesome. cool. Yeah. It's, the, the Memphis Zoo has that, but with chimps instead. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't chimps. It was, um, it's a monkey. It's not an ape. I forgot which one, though. Is it a monkey or a lesser ape? It definitely is a monkey, and I can't remember um, which one it is. <laughs> so, so it's not like a gibbon or a siamang. I, uh, actually, it might be. It might be gibbons. See, those are lesser apes, not monkeys. Okay, mister. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if, if, you're ever in Fort, if you're in that area, the two places you need to go are the Fort Worth Zoo, just to see the Museum of Living Art exhibit. That, that whole building is amazing if you like reptiles. And then also uh, the Dallas Aquarium, the World Aquarium there is insane. Like I said, it's got crocodiles. It also has this giant uh, tank with manatees and huge catfish it's it's cool and then from across the pond ryan goslow said the chester zoo komodo dragon exhibit in the uk um travis wyman said he always loved the denver zoo's tropical discovery exhibit i've never been to the denver zoo um and then randy pegues again i'm gonna screw up his name i'm gonna be sure <laughs> said the komodo dragon exhibit at the san diego zoo I feel like everyone, like if we butcher your name, I am so sorry, but I'm really bad at pronouncing names. Apparently James is also, so I am so sorry. Uh-oh. What happened? Megan can't hear us. Well, she muted herself. Well, that would definitely cause it to happen. She said, (laughs) she said, just keep talking. She (laughs) muted herself. (laughs) Yeah, she's here. You guys guys, like cut out. If I muted myself. In case, like, I don't know, I said anything stupid, and you guys were just still talking, so like, I muted myself and just waited for it to come back. Oh, it came back though. It came back. Technology. I said, keep talking. Technology just, just does not now. like this. Technology does not like this podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're the hardest guest to have recorded, <laughs> Megan. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so you're, you're back. I'll mention the National Zoo. I, I've gone to the National Zoo a ton because my grandmother, grandmother lives right up there just outside of D.C. It is free. So that's a great part about the National Zoo. The, the zoo, the museums, all the spending stuff is free. And then the reptile house is great. It's older. It's, it's a very old, like 19, I don't know, 40s, 20s, whatever. It's an old building. But it's really cool. The, the, the sad part was my favorite exhibit actually was not the reptile building. It was downstairs around the back was the invert building that they have shut down. Unfortunately, uh, I guess maybe they shouldn't have been free, but they shut it down. Uh, that was amazing. Cause they used to have a giant Pacific octopus. You see baby cuttlefish. They had this awesome spider exhibit with like the big banana spiders right there by the door. They weren't closed in. They were just inside these planters next to the doors. So, wait, wait, wait. So they could like crawl on your face? No, they, they never left the planners. They were in there. All the webs and everything were inside these planners. It was like it was a floor to ceiling planner. Um, and I guess you, technically they could, but they never, you never saw them anywhere else, just in there uh, as you, right as you walked out of the door. I'm so, sorry, but I, I'm not okay with that. 
but the big banana spiders are harmless. Ay, ay, ay. But that, my, that, my heart is racing faster just thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> the invert house at the National uh, Zoo was by far my favorite part of the zoo, and they, of course, shut it down. So that made me sad. They have a lot shut down there. At least I went well, like two years ago last time I went. Oh, they didn't have a lot of stuff. Like, it had a giraffe, giraffes, whatever. They had an elephant. It was old. But they didn't have, like, rhinos or a uh oh! I don't think they had a lion. They had a tiger. They Make had like, it, a lot of stuff like shut down. Megan's audio, your audio keeps going. Pandas. She and can't that hear me. Was like state of the art, <laughs> brand new. Everyone was in that exhibit. And the panda exhibit. They put a lot of money into that. That's where all yeah. the money goes. The panda exhibit is is huge. Which I, I don't even like pandas. Like I'm, I, I don't know if I'm in the minority. I guess, but they don't do shit for me. I much rather see red pandas. Yeah. giant pandas red pandas are cool i love red pandas giant panda like if i'm gonna see a bear show me a grizzly give me a the memphis zoo has an amazing grizzly bear exhibit it's huge it's massive and they also have polar bears they do yeah which, Yo, san diego has a great polar bear exhibit and it's outdoors which is you know southern california hot they have like a constant ice cold waterfall they have ice blocks everywhere. It's like it's really cool how they have the polar bear set up. Y'all are making me want to go to San Diego now. <laughs> Come but, back here. We'll go down there. Okay. I need to go out. I've never been out there. I do want to go to the San Diego Zoo just because it's one of those like famous, famous zoos. I, I want to go there. So I want to go to the, the Bronx. Thing. You need two days for the San Diego. So you need That's an true. entire day for the zoo. And then you need like a day and a half for like just the safari park. Yep, the safari park is awesome. Yes, uh, I love it. I'd like to. And so, like I used to work at a zoo here in Alexandria, Louisiana. And it's a very small, but it's an AZA accredited zoo. It's a great small zoo. Uh, my favorite exhibits here really is the the Louisiana habitat exhibit. It's uh, you walk in, it's all designed after like old Louisiana like swamps, wood buildings made out of like old weathered slats, and uh, you walk up like this big. Cajun cabin, and then you walk out onto the porch. And as you walk out onto the porch, it's uh, you look down, it's the alligators on one side, it's also otters because we have otters here. So, fresh uh, river, <laughs> fresh water, <laughs> yes, yes, we don't have the, the west coast saltwater otters. <sighs> um, and then it's it's the coolest part about the whole Louisiana habitat here is that it's it's leveled. There's elevated walkways. You have to walk up and down. So it's not just flat, even though the zoo is built on flat ground, they really elevated. And you go up and down these Hills. So it's not just boring sitting, you know, walking through, just looking at cages. So I, I used to love that. And then while I was there, we also built a Nile crocodile exhibit for our Nile crocodiles. And they come and they lay like right up next to the glass. So you can get right next to the Nile crocodiles, um, which is great, I guess, for the public. Those are also the crocodiles that tried to eat me once. So that's the only thought I can think of when I get near them. <laughs> They're like, yeah, those ones are sizing you up by laying next to you. <laughs> that's the one where I was cleaning the pool, and it's like a four-foot-deep pool. It's empty, and the crocodile just jumps out at my face and lands smack onto the concrete four feet below, and I ran straight up the waterfall feature. Like, I look like Spider-Man. I was climbing that thing. That's the fastest I've ever ran in my entire life. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I would do so as well. Yeah. It, so, zoos. I love zoos. I, I love zoos. I love aquariums. 
So I can I can always talk about those for forever. Forever, ever. All right. So let me move on real quick from our listeners. We have um we didn't have much this week. One cool one though was that we had I don't want I want to sure I get his name right, maybe. Uh Matt Howe, who posted an article about new species of semi aquatic cobra described from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh which is cool. Because when I think Africa and cobras, I tend to think like desert cobras. I know there's forest cobras, but I don't tend to think swimming cobras. Yeah, me either. That's really neat and scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they can get you on land and water. Yeah, man. So that was a, a cool article. If anyone wants to read it, it's on our Facebook. You can find it uh, in the links there on, on our weekly post. But that was a pretty cool one. So, Megan, are you, are you back? Let's see. Maybe, Te- technology maybe technology doesn't like us. Mm-mm. It's funny. It's funny. So we're, we've got this I'm going. I'm here now. Oh, there she is. <laughs> okay. I'm going to move and find a new spot because apparently this spot lost its connection. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, so let's jump over to YouTube real quick. And this one kind of ties into our talk about exhibits. I don't, I don't tend to bring his videos up often, but Brian Barczyk uh, had a video this week about his anaconda. He does a lot with his anaconda because the new extension on his reptile zoo, he did build a really cool anaconda enclosure. With yeah, a, it's huge. Yeah, giant water feature for the anaconda to fully submerge and lay in uh, with you know the water flowing in, filtered, and a big land part. And in that video, he actually went in and sat down on the land, and the anaconda actually crawled over onto his lap, and that was kind of cool. Of course – he titles it proof. My huge anaconda loves me. Uh, I think love may be a stretch, but you know, people click on that shit. Because clickbait. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That That's clickbait, but that's okay. We all got to make money somehow. But that is one thing that that reptiles that he built is great. Uh, so I do watch his videos now more than I did before. I, I really didn't care about watching them show eggs or ball pythons or corn snakes. But I like watching some of the stuff in the zoo. I think in that video, they also did like some target training with their monitor species. Um, so that was kind of cool watching them target train several of their monitor species they have in that zoo. Yeah, I also like um, his retic uh, enclosure as well that he has. <laughs> Which one? Because he's got like seven retics on display right now. So maybe for, does he have one? He has one named Lucy? Maybe. I don't know. It was one of his earlier videos when they were setting up the um, the new the exi- one? yeah the the new zoo area. Yeah. It's like a and cage it, or two behind the anaconda in the middle row. And it had like it had a water feature that they can fully drain out and everything. It's the one that had the leak. I don't know. I I oh I started, yeah 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 yeah. I watched those videos when he was like setting everything up because it was really cool. And then well, kind of stopped. He also has a cool exhibit for alligators, although it only works for small alligators. But once they get bigger, they obviously won't fit in there. But he's got that uh, is it albino. I think it's a leucistic alligator. He's got a leucistic alligator there. Yeah, I think he's he's doing pretty good with those new exhibits that he has, for sure. So, I like that video. Just to that. Um, here's another one that I don't tend to talk about often, but Chandler's Wildlife, because we were talking anacondas this week, he had a video with a clickbaity name called My Naughty Anacondas. And he talks about his yellow anacondas. And the reason I want to bring this video up is because he talks about legalities of yellow anacondas. He's in Florida. And so the legality part of it I thought was interesting. He had just got his paperwork to be grandfathered in to keep his yellow anacondas in the state because you cannot own or breed yellow anacondas in Florida, obviously, unless you get grandfathered in. 
How did he get grandfathered in? What's the like? There's a, a permit process he had to go through. I don't understand uh, why, why he'd be. I mean, has he lived there forever and had them, and then they just yeah he he, he, he already he already had them when they changed the law. Oh, because they changed that law recently. Yeah, in the past year, right? I think so. So yeah, he he already had them. Uh, I get. Uh, I'm gonna show you how much I don't fully know about him. Uh, I guess he has uh, already worked somewhere where like a reptile zoo or something. Some people can come see their animals because he talked about he cannot put them on display. He can own them, but he can't display them. You always say display really. (laughs) Just display. Display. It throws me off. I don't say, I don't say display. I say display. Display. I don't know. It drives me crazy. Uh, It's like call you bread. I had to like, take like figure that out for a really long time <laughs> see that's a word where i say both of them i say call you and colubrid i i don't it just both of them it's also like when i write the word gray how do you spell the word gray uh if it's the color isn't it ey oh no it's ay if it's the color isn't it's it? either it's e- it depends on if you're in the united states i just or think of anywhere um, else <laughs> i think of the gray's monitor and that's that's ay see i i will i write the color gray g-r-e-y or g-r-a-y uh i write it both ways but that's that's one of those words that that's an, an american way of spelling it and like the uk way of spelling. it's like the word color you can always tell if someone is from the uk if they put a u in the word yeah for sure okay i'm back yay megan's yay, back megan's back did again you, for the 15th time. you guys hearing me talk to my dog that's, can i act up and move myself no nope. it's really funny to him nope, not at all. none of it and then i was like <laughs> oh no i'm not muted <laughs> I guess that worked out that the the mic thing didn't work at the time. So, no. so yeah, the Chandler's wildlife video. He uh, he got in some new uh, vision cages and, for his yellow anacondas, and one of his yellow anacondas, of course, it's it, it bit the crap out of him. Although he easily could have got it around it not biting him on camera. He held it much longer than he needed to. Like he knew the thing tends to bite, and for a while there, it wasn't biting. If he just would have moved it from cage to cage and been done with it. You wouldn't have got all the blood and all the stuff you get on YouTube. But, of course, he, he needed to have that for his YouTube channel. I gave my yellow anacondas to Megan. <laughs> and then I didn't keep them. Nope. <laughs> they were pretty awful. <laughs> you kept one and I had one. Yep. I forget. Did you have the male or the female? I had the female. Guys, my oh, dog we, just we, came in we here. We both and sold it to the same one. Is he oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, he came in here and just lay down with me. That's why Aww. I love my dog. Adorable. So cute. He's almost a year old. I have a cake I bought for him. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> You're dog. that type of dog owner. Oh. He's made of peanut butter, carrot, and pumpkin. The fuck? He's going to be yeah. a lot. They're going to share it. I have other dogs. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, so those are my two videos. Brian Bartrick's video, just because it shows off his green anaconda, which is a very pretty green anaconda, and it is a great setup. So it's cool to see that whole setup. Uh, and then Chandler's wildlife, um, just because it showed his yellow anaconda. And it talked about, again, the legalities of being able to keep the anacondas in Florida. Um, if you didn't own them before the law, sorry, folks, you're not legally getting them. Uh, it means I can never move to Florida. You never move to Florida. Not that yep. you would want to. Right. Because it, <laughs> it is Florida. And then uh, my last video kind of actually jumps back to who we talked about last week, which is another Primitive Predators video. And this one I liked on several different levels. The title was, 
collecting critically endangered Chinese alligator eggs. So for anybody out there that does not know, there are two species of alligator. There's the one we are familiar with, the American alligator, and there is the Chinese alligator, which is much smaller, tops out at about six feet. It's a gray color with a little bit of dark gray banding, got a little smushed alligator face. They are awesome. When I worked at the zoo, we had one. His name was Kuali, and I loved that alligator. I can go in, just pick him up, take him to educational programs, show him off. I mean, he never once would huff, puff, try and bite. I love them to death. They are endangered. Now, I told my wife, I want to own an alligator because I, I do miss working with them, and my wife tells me, no, I cannot have them. But she has told me if I could ever get a Chinese alligator, I could have one. But that's never going to happen because they're endangered. There's paperwork, and they're expensive, so... She knows that. That's why she said I could have <laughs> that's one. Why she, that's why that's, she's. Oh, Katie, you're a smart woman. She's messed up. But <laughs> she's screwed. If I ever find a loophole where I can get a Chinese alligator, it will be at my house. I'm going to get. I keep telling her we're going to get a pool. And she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get a pool. I was like, oh, no, no, it's, but it's going to be an alligator exhibit. Oh, she, my gosh. She won't let me. She says if we have a pool, it has to remain a pool for some Apparently, oh, people God. like to go swimming. <laughs> that's so funny. You can go swimming with an alligator. You could just swim faster. <laughs> I mean, that's like impossible, but like, <laughs> just if you're going to risk it, risk it. I'll tell, okay, I'm going to tell you one story about my old. So when I got hired on the zoo, my zoo director was old school zoo director. Uh, I love the man. He was amazing. And the stories you hear, you know, they're true because you hear them from multiple people and it's the same story. Nothing changes. Uh, so when they built the Louisiana exhibit, Louisiana habitat exhibit, he had an alligator that he raised from a baby. He had it for years prior to that and raised it from a baby, like actually kept it in a tub under his bed for a while and then in his bathtub. Um, but Moise is now probably 11, almost 12 feet. And they moved him from the zoo that was very, very shallow. He never really got to swim where he was before. And they moved him into this huge, deep pool that they just built. So everybody's there. They cut the ribbon. There's all the pictures, all the press. And then everybody leaves and they go on about their day at the zoo. One of the zookeepers is in the kitchen making food, making diets for the afternoon. And here comes Les, my director, walking by soaking wet. And she walks outside and goes, Les, why are you soaking wet? Apparently, he had always made a promise to his alligator that as soon as he could swim, he'd swim with them. And once everybody left, he jumped in and swam with them. And they said, why did you do that when everybody left? He said, because y'all wouldn't let me do it if you were still there. So he waited for everybody to leave and he swam with this big-ass alligator. And he's alive to tell the tale. That's actually pretty cool. Well, it was alive. That's, that's badass. I was. Yeah. He, he unfortunately did pass away um, in, in 2009. But it wasn't from swimming but with an alligator. it wasn't from swimming with an alligator, no. <laughs> he, he, he was just, he was, there's many stories. He was amazing. Like I said, I think I've told the one before where he would go out onto the spider monkey island, tell the spider monkey to crate up, and it would walk inside the crate and close the door behind itself. That's so funny. But like, oh, everybody, wow. else, everybody else having to use fucking nets chasing monkeys around. He had a way with animals. It's it was insane. That's one, really cool. one of my favorite pictures is him sitting next to his uh, jaguar, like full grown jaguar, his arm around the jaguar's neck. I'm like, there's no that's way on earth I'm doing that. I'm just I know, not... like that's crazy. Oh, it's just. I mean, I think I would do that just because I want to, but I wouldn't do it with like an untrained one but it's also like you don't want to do that too yeah it's the stories the stories of, of anyways he was an amazing man as we talk about zoos he was an amazing man 
So the primitive predators one, the video I was talking about, we talked about last week that they have a, we talked about the tortoise greenhouse they built and they have a crocodile version. This one is shot in their crocodile greenhouse where they have a wooden walkway, elevated walkway down the middle and the croc exhibits along the walkway. And they go in with their Chinese alligator who laid what looks like a good clutch of eggs that they show that has banding and everything. And they collect the eggs from her, uh, which is just super cool because Chinese alligators uh, don't really, you don't see them bred in captivity much and they are endangered in the wild. So it would be cool to be able to get more produced here just to so get more out at zoos and other places, maybe at my house one day, but <laughs> I, I love them to death. They are amazing. So I had to, I had to bring that one up, but just plus you get to see the really cool setup that he has there for these things. I mean, it is, it's a very overgrown um, grassy area that they live in. It's watch the video on primitive predators and you'll see that it's, it's the way that they should be kept. Yeah, they did a really good job with all of their, their new stuff. So that got us through YouTube. Now I want to talk about what we talked about last week that no one heard about. Uh, mm-hmm. Megan has, we talked about yellow anacondas. Megan does have yellow anacondas. Well, one. No. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is yellow. It's just it's not a yellow orange. anaconda. It's orange. My bad. Megan has orange anacondas. So, an orange one. so Megan, do you want to explain your orange anaconda? No, but I no? will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Guys, she has an orange anaconda. Move, <laughs> Move on. <laughs> no. Um, like, what do you want me to explain? Just what it is. For anybody who didn't somehow see the video that floated around all over the place, anybody that likes anacondas has seen that video. But Okay. You know what I made? The video I made? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, like I said, like two weeks ago, we decided to come out with the information that I have partnered up with Dave Levinson from RL Exotics, okay? And I have the anaconda morphs that were originally Ben Rennick's, right? Which, yes. again, super lucky to be working in things. Um, so much respect for Ben. Like, I wouldn't be breeding without ben, information Ben gave me back in the day when I first started. So, I partnered up with them. I have the T-positive uh, albino anaconda, which is caramel albino. And then I have the anery pair that he had, which I actually bred the anery female to the double head, one of the double head males that Ben made and got babies, which I'm super excited because one of the visuals I produced from that actually just ate for the first time the other day. And I'm like super stoked because he was a very picky one. He was the only one that hadn't eaten yet. So How many meals do the other ones have? What? How many meals do the other ones have in them? What do you mean? The little the little babies. You said he was My the babies? last one to eat. Yeah. Uh, there's like nine babies in total. That baby is just like the first visual one that I can say is visual because it's so different. I okay. want to say it's visual. I'm keeping it to prove it out, but obviously. Okay. Yeah. So when, yeah. when they're when they're, they're born, just ate. <laughs> When they're born, are they are they much darker? Like, is it no, not okay, just so the anaries, just it just and green anacondas general. general, yeah. So green anacondas are born. They come out like brown. They're not even green. They're brown, and they change color within like the first year. They'll turn green, like fully green. Like you'll still see brown like six months from now, whatever. Like they start to change. Okay, but it's like usually around a year you get like the true color of what they are, in my experience. So I have to wait a year to know if the baby I want to get is going to look like blue. 
pretty much. Well, you better hang on to them for a year, Megan. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so what's weird is the ones you're talking about. I kept two from my puppy and blue breeding, which I'll have more in December because she's pregnant again with Blue's babies. I kept two from that last one she had. And one, it turned out to look just like Blue. And the other one, super, super dark. Interesting. Right? So when they were both babies, they both were super, super dark. And the one just happened to be, turn out lighter within like six months. It started getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And now it looks exactly like Blue. So you want to part with it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I'd be interested really in seeing a mix between blue and an annery. Just to see if, if he's producing dark babies already, how dark you really could get them once you start mixing them with annery. Here's the thing. Stuff. He's not dark at all. At all. But, but he's not green. He's not, you know, he's not. He's blue. Yeah. He's like very light. He's super cool. I'll send you pictures. Arrow, or. Er, then I have this other female named Arrow who's got a super orange face, super light green. And yeah, she's really she's, pretty, too. This is what I was going to say about Annery. She's actually going to be put to the Annery male this upcoming time. She breeds. So she starts breeding in late June, early July. So she's going to start breeding pretty soon. So that's why I was kind of like, yeah. So we'll figure it out with her. Because she is very light colored, which is weird. I don't know how to explain it any more than that. But so with anacondas, everything is kind of a long-term project though, right? You're looking at six years or so before you can breed them. Yes. It's so long. And then you can only, you have to breed them every two years. You can't breed them back to back years. Yeah. And is that because uh, getting the weight back on? Cause right, I do the so same like, thing with bloods. Right. So here's what happens. So like, for example, a lot of my females lay in late fall, early winter, which is like December, like early December is usually what it is. For me, it's just when mine tend to go. Or I have Arrow who likes to breed in July and she will lay in February. <laughs> and wow. Yeah. So, and their breeding season, normal for like, I have like three that will start breeding around the same time and they always lay in like December ish. Right. So, their breeding season starts like March, April, May is like the time they like to breed and we're talking like seven month gestation on these guys yeah so okay i'll give you a time frame so like my big female puppy she ovulated i can give you i have the dates written down she ovulated on okay i don't have it written down but i have, I have it in the <laughs> she's so she shed she shed last week on thursday now if i do my numbers right which she went 198 days last time after her shed. That puts us at December 4th due date if she goes the exact same amount of dates. How obvious is an anaconda um, ovulation? ovulation? Yeah. Not very obvious. So they're already a thick-bodied snake. Just... They're a very thick-bodied snake. I only caught it because like, she was extremely big for what she normally is. Like, this is my favorite snake. I stared at her all day long. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, she was my first snake, too. My first anaconda. So, like, she's my favorite. But, like, I was just, like, I've, I've caught one other one before that I was, like, super confident on. Other ones, I was kind of like, is that an ovulation? Is it not? Because, like, they're a very big-bodied snake. And it is kind of hard to tell sometimes. 
or you just don't go in the room for that day and you kind of just miss it. Yeah. Or like you're in there late after it already happened or early before it happens or something like that. It kind of sucks. Because sometimes they'll do it and it's a very quick ovulation or it can go on for like a day and you notice it. Like, yeah, I've, I've missed almost all of mine. <laughs> so yeah. I get that. And mine are obvious too. They're super obvious. It looks like they've swallowed a football. But <laughs> I, I still miss it. So Yeah. So, but no, I caught this one and then I want to say that was like three weeks ago she ovulated and I caught her shed. And she was still shedding. I have pictures. I posted pictures of it. April liked it. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you liked it, April. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. So how old was Blue when you got him? He was a baby. So he wasn't blue yet when you got him? No, he was brown. <laughs> So that was just a pleasant surprise a year later when he starts to turn well, blue. And not, I, I didn't really notice it until like really late on where everyone was like, why is he so different? And I'm like, he's not. He's just, he's just, he didn't really have the name blue until there was one time he just looked extra blue one day. And I was like, you know what? We're going to call you blue. <laughs> and then that's how that name stuck. He was probably yeah. like three or four years old by the time I realized like he was that different. And some pictures, like the lighting, picks up a lot more blue than other ones. Oh, as yeah, well. like, but he's he's a, such a sweet snake too. Yeah, I worked with him a lot as babies. And so yeah, you let them bite you a lot as babies <laughs> is really what it is. So you've got this T positive albino female, correct? Yeah. And Ben got her to breed once. So he actually got her to breed twice. Okay. So, he got the double hets out of the first breeding. And then what I think happened is he tried to breed the males too young. And this happened right before everything happened. So, yeah. she was still pregnant when everything happened. And she ended up slugging out in October of that year after, you know, he passed. So... She hasn't been bred since, and I've been trying, and she's just being stubborn. So I'm just, I just got to keep trying. And you've had her for two years now? Coming up on two years, yeah. So you, you, I would think at this time that she would be acclimated to your room and the way you keep and all that kind of stuff. Because sometimes I wonder, you know, with these big snakes, that it takes just that much longer for them to get used to their surroundings and environment. And it's such a different. Uh, just you live in such a different area than where Ben lived. True. So it's just so elevation, weather, all that stuff. Here's the weird part is, so the Annery female, he struggled to get her to breed. Like, I used to talk to him about her all the time. He could never get her to breed. And, like, the first year I had her, then a few months of having her, she was breeding, and I just got babies. Hmm. So that shows you just how individual each animal is. You know, we, exactly. try, to, we try to treat one species of the cookie, like – Every animal, every animal in that species has a cookie cutter kind of formula on how to breed them. But I mean, so many individuals are just, you don't know what is the one thing that will trigger them. And the one thing could have been just moving. You know, a lot of times mm -hmm. you hear Eric and Owen on NPR, they talk about uh, taking snakes for a car ride and then bringing them back and putting them in and they breathe. Sometimes it's just a change in where they are like, that triggers it. Exactly. And so, so. you're... Your obviously your future plans long term are snows. I would assume, yeah, T positive yeah, so snows. I've been trying that double head female. I only tried her recently, 
um, because she is one of the ones that I am afraid she will eat a male. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's scary. She's one of the scariest ones I've ever had to deal with, just because I don't. I'm working with like wild caught blood here with these guys. Even the babies, like pure wild caught caught blood. Their parents are taken out of the wild. Mm-hmm. So, which, like, which we can't do anymore now because of right. Lacey Act, right? So, like she and like they were never really handled as babies. I think they were just grown up for the project. Which, sure, you know, it's just she's just so mean and so, so big. But I've been you, trying her. I was gonna say, are you trying to, you know, handle been, her more? Because I mean, if she's oh, no, not big, yeah, no, that, that sounds her. real scary. Honestly, yeah, you have to use a hook or two. Like, no, she won't let you touch her. Like, I can't put my hand on her without her trying to, like, kill me. Wait, you're using a hook? According to Facebook, if you use a hook, you're a wimp and a sissy. I mean, whoever <laughs> says that can come deal with this and bleed. <laughs> but, no, I've been trying her, and I just started to try her about two or three weeks ago. And, um, well, I'd take the males out after about a week and try and feed them, try to feed everyone, and then put them back. But, like, that's just my process which has worked in the past, but like, no, her and the albino have been very difficult to like, the males just don't seem interested. And so this angry one, you said she is het, uh, albino she, and het annery, right? Yeah. So double het snow yeah. basically for short. And what are you breeding her to? Or, to, or what have you tried? Same thing. Double, double het snow. Gotcha. Yeah. For brothers. That's gross. It sounds weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> but... I mean, I, I, I'm interested to see what it looks like. Like, is it, Me is it solid white with pattern? Like, I, I just don't so know. Here's, here's my guess because it's not like a pure albino. It's the caramel albino. So yeah. if it was going to be a snow, like just with the T negative, I think it would come out more white. But this again, this is just my theory. Because I'm working with the caramel albino, I think it's going to come out more like a cream colored where it's like, I don't know how to explain it. Well, I mean, we have VPI snows and boas. Uh, from the T-positive form? Which is from T-positive. Yeah, but that's like, we're, we're, that's like just completely different color scheme of a snake. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking it, boas being the closest relative kind of to an anaconda because uh, when you look at a, v- a VPI snow, it's not what you picture when you think snow. We call it a snow because we named named them snows before that. They still have some of the grays and and they're much darker. So, right. yeah, but they're obviously not green. They didn't start out green and then turn. You know, so it's definitely a different uh, color palette. So it's it's you know gonna be weird with the baby I that I produced that I'm pretty sure is an anery. It's like a gray brown where the adults are more of like a brownish green as the but like the, the lack of orange in their face and everything as adults is like i think what this baby's gonna look like because there's nothing in its face like it's like mask pattern on its yeah. face is like is gray it's so weird like i have pictures posted on my page and i'll send you guys some more but like it's that's why i think it's so different and he's just a different color like greenish brown baby than the rest are there any hypo uh, anacondas out there. So there's this picture that was floating around on Facebook, and a couple people have actually sent it to me in the past. Um, somewhere in Brazil, it's like this patternless one. I can't tell you what morph it is, but I want to say that yeah, that's probably a hypo. But 
I've only seen two pictures of it ever, and it I can't I can't tell you what it is. I just think of that the boa part of me is thinking, oh, that'd be cool if you could mix the caramel with hypo, or you could mix the anery with hypo and get ghosts. Just I, I, the genetics, I'd love to see what it would look like on a snake that is green because I know what it looks like on everything else. <laughs> but yeah, one that starts out green and orange. Uh, I get. I, I said this before last time we talked. I think the pattern on a green anaconda is one of the prettiest patterns there is on a snake. Oh yeah, I think it's great. I mean, they're just. Can you guys hear my dog snoring in the background? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's so loud. <laughs> I, uh, as yeah, people green... miss, and people miss last time, Megan worked on trying to talk me into buying an anaconda. You know, uh, I still yeah. have one available. No, I, no. I, you should totally buy it. Like, we should all just have them. Uh, I want one now, but no, I've got to stand April strong. needs another one. You need one. April's I really do. I really do want one. She's got enough big snakes to handle right now. I just have two. She does not. She needs more. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I, one thing I do want to ask you, so I sat down, I had these babies born this week and I sat down and uh, was trying to write up. I'm, I'm trying, I, I did a shitty job of keeping records at the beginning of this breeding season. I've done pretty good every other breeding season. But this season I just threw shit together and didn't write anything down. And so that's why I have no idea when the babies are actually due. I'm just waiting to walk in and see babies. But I'm trying to keep records of all the babies. How do y'all label your snakes? Just like, do you have a number system for how you label things? Everything in my room has its own name. So how do you do, do you number babies so you can keep up with a litter just so you know these ate, these didn't eat? So, okay, well, I don't do numbers. So like what I'll do is like, I know which, I usually have one at a time in my room they like baby litters of babies yeah so it's very easy just to keep track of what they are but like we know when i sell them i tell them like who the parents are and all this stuff and everything but um so i use like the blue painters masking tape as like my labels on stuff because it doesn't leave like a sticky stuff you can write on it you can move it and it still sticks right so it's great so when they eat i'll put like a little symbol on what it is what it ate so like it can either be live it can be frozen like i'll put an l for like a live rat pup or i'll put a c for like a chick you know yeah and usually that's basically it or like if something's eating fish i'll put like a little f on it or if it's even just a rat i'll just put like an x or a dot depending if it's like a live one or like like i said live pups will do i'll just put an l for live but also put like a dot next to it. And then after it eats a certain amount, I kind of just stopped keeping track because like it's eating consistently at that point. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's actually kind of what I do. Maybe I got the freaking painter's tape from you. I use the probably. really, I probably did. I use the really <laughs> thick painter's tape. It's like, um, I think I'm going to steal that from you. Or something. It's like, yeah. yes, the one I use is probably like two inches, maybe. Yeah. Wide. The big kind. And I put, on the information on it, I always have the year and I don't do like massive amount of clutches either. So like this year I have one of each species. So one will probably be like B O for Borneo or something or B L for blood and then just male and then what number male and then the year. That's well, how yeah, I that's, number them. That's what I'll do. I'll put, so on the actual, so I keep, I have a book where I keep all, once they're, once they're breeding, I write down the locks, the sheds, an ovulation if I can catch it and when it laid 
And then from that, I just know what babies I have with me. So like I'll use the blue tape and I'll label it one, two, three, four, you know, for male, female, right? Yep. So when I do post pictures, I'll put M1, M2 or F1, yeah. F2, yeah, like that. All my notes I have are on a main calendar that I have in the snake room. So like I'm, if I, I, I see an ovulation or maybe ovulation, I'll write like notes like that on whatever day that I see it. Right. That's what I need. I need to put a calendar in my snake room. See, I have, I tried the calendar thing, but then I was just like, I don't look at it enough. <laughs> Which so is funny because like, everything down in a book. We carry a calendar around in our phone, but there's so many of us in the reptile hobby. We carry a calendar in our phone. We carry a notepad in our phone. We carry all the stuff that you do, but we'd rather put it on paper. So many of us right. are like, I'd rather have a notebook or a cal- I'd rather write it down somewhere. So like I have all my dates written down on my phone, but like the actual due date, I have an app that's like a reminder app and it yeah. notifies me like a week before, like, you know, keep an eye out on oh, the day cool. of and like stuff like that. So like, it's pretty cool. I tried to do one of those reptile scan, the reptile scan app where you get everything, a, a little QR code, a barcode or whatever. And, but I just, I don't work that way. I don't, I don't go through and scan this and then go on the phone and put all the yeah, stuff. I don't like, do that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep up with it. It's a cool idea. If you're someone who, enjoy I, some people enjoy that but it just it felt too much like work at that point <laughs> yeah no i just write down like my dates in a book and then like that's kind of it like i just label the tub like if it's baby eight i write down that eight and like what it ate I've, which is like my little symbol thing yeah i've kind of come up with a so like my numbering system uh this is kind of how it lays out it sounds weird and awkward but it's the species and then a dash and then the year they were born and the litter number so like your idea for the babies just had, it would be KSB for Kenyan Samboa and a dash, then 20 for the year. And this litter will be 20, 20 or 201, basically 21. Uh, and then a dash and the number that it is in the sex. So like a baby would be KSB dash two zero one dash one female. Or one. That sounds really complicated. It's it's it, in my head. It and then when I see it, it works. And the reason I I don't I don't do like all that then one female and then do all that and then one male. So it would be like they all get a number and then the sex. And the reason is so if I miss sex something later on, I I labeled it uh, eight male, and then I <laughs> find out funny. shit it was a female, and I don't have to go back and change the. I just change. You're like missing eight. <laughs> yeah, I, I just funny. change the sex on the end of the number and go. Yeah, I was wrong. It's a female. That's actually smart though. I'm going to do that too. (laughs) I, uh, and then I made a little, uh, like a spreadsheet on paper that has the tub number they're in the snake ID. And then I've got a little key at the top for eight refused shed died or sold. And so I can put a little, uh, little, I keep up with the date and when all that stuff happened. And I try to stay somewhat, at least with the babies. I don't, I don't really keep records of my actual snakes because I, I know what I'm doing with them and, but when I have 26 or 25 babies, I'm like, I, I do need to be able to tell somebody, yeah, it's eaten four times in a row. Uh, it didn't eat. Or I need see, to be able to look. See, it that's and, why I just have it all written on my tub. So, like, if they go, like, the number's on there. And it's telling me what male or female it is. I can just go look at my tub. Yeah. Yeah. I have the same thing. And then I'll put, like, food. And then I'll put shed. And I just do tally marks. And once oh, they yeah. get to four or five meals, then I know they're okay to be sold. But then right. people, people that are buying sometime will ask, well, when was the last time it shed? I'm like, mm, I don't know, but I can tell you it has. <laughs> yeah, see, that's, that's why I have this where I, I write the date and which one. And also because sometimes I'll have a snake that yeah, eats the first meal or eats the first two meals. 
and then doesn't eat for two or three meals. And so if I just had tally marks over, say, six months, I'd be like, yeah, it ate eight times. But then I also want to know it refused four times as well. Like, I, yeah, I want to know, maybe, I wonder if it's maybe, one of those pain in the ass feeders. Maybe I'll adjust my feeding <laughs> the way I track my feeding. Because I've had that too, where I know that it's either refused or something, but my, my rule is altogether you have to have four or five meals. Yes. So even well, if it did refuse, it's like whatever. See, what I do is like, if it refuses, I don't write it down. I can always tell by how many like tally marks or whatever you want to call it. You have gotcha. written down. Exactly. But like, I always, like, I try and feed them every week. And so like, I know, I just have this memory of like, it know I know that it is eating consistently every week. So that's why no one's very sold. And because you're like, not. oh, this is the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I also put like, in my rack, the way I do it is like, I'll put easy, easy feeders, like up higher in the rack. And then ones that are difficult lower. Yeah. So like, I'll sell the easy ones first. And then once the, you know, the picky ones start to be consistent, I'll move them up higher. Mm-hmm. See, like, that's gonna, just kind of how I do it. I've got to keep better records this year because I, I possibly could have over a hundred baby snakes at a time. See, I never have that many. So like, your system works great for a ton of babies. Mine yeah. works great for the few that I have at a time. Yeah. And so that's, that's but like I said, record keeping as far as the stuff I own, I just sat down last night and gave all my Samboas that I own their own ID number, just so I could say this one bred to this one. Because in the few, in, in the past, it's been like, yeah, the, the striped snow Sambo or the striped Annery het paradox albinos. Like I just call it by whatever it is because I right. know what it is. But now it's like, well, I, mean, I probably need to keep up with these pants a little better. I mean, April's been in my room. She knows, like, the blue painter's tape. Is, there's a label on every single cage or tub, and it has either what the snake is, because I don't really name my retics, but the green anacondas, because they're all, you know, basically normal for the most part, all have a name. <laughs> like, their own name. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, if that's just... If you're what? staying in my collection, you get a name. See. Exactly. If anything in my collection, let's see... The last time I named, other than my one baby that was born with bug eyes this past year, we named him Bugsy. Uh, <laughs> and the random baby corn snakes that we got that my daughter is named. I don't even know what their names are. Uh, the last thing I actually named, I got in like 05 for corn snakes. I'm looking at a pair of corn snakes that I got in 05. Those are probably the last thing I gave a name to. Everything oh else God. gets called by whatever it is. One of my corn snakes, the one that always gets out of its cage, got out of its cage and is just like loose in the room right now. Nice. My roommate hasn't found it. I haven't found it. I've been gone. So it's just chilling in the room somewhere. You hope. Yeah. I mean, pretty <laughs> sure. Pretty sure it is. So they just pop up. Everyone's like, well, have you had people ask you before, like, well, what do you do to try to find them? And I'm like, I don't. I just they just show up. Well, it's like I look for about thirty minutes, and then yeah, I just hope I find it one day. I look like, at the main spots, and yeah. then that's it. <laughs> I, I check the back of each rack, and then behind each tub, and in the closet. That's about it. I, you know, yeah, I follow the wall. Exactly. But that's one thing. My my new when I move, which hopefully I will be moving soon. Um. And I'll have a new reptile room, but my new door will definitely have some sort of seal around it just so things can't get in and out of this one. I'm in things could definitely crawl under it if they wanted to. Uh, but the new one, I, I plan on putting a seal underneath it so things can't get out. I've never had something get out of my room. I've had someone accidentally leave my lizard's cage open and it got out. 
that was gone and they were giving it water or feeding it and they just forgot to lock it. But that's it. It's and they been, found that on top of a cage. It's been years. <laughs> it's been years since I've had something get out. Mainly because, one, I don't have cages I make anymore. And uh, all the racks have little latches that come down and hold the tub in that I've put on them. So every time I close the tub, I, the little latch comes down and it can't open. So nothing can push its own tub open. Um, so, yeah, I haven't had stuff get out in a long time. Plus, I don't use you know glass tanks or screen lids. That shit gets out of all the time. But. I have my tortoises in one of those tanks just because, like I said, they weren't mine, and then they were mine, and I had to find <laughs> a place. And now I, can, I should probably just go build a cage for them. But right now it's looking great. But they can't get out of the screen cage. They don't yeah. climb glass. Also, they're not going to climb straight up the glass. You're good. Right. So, but I, I, I'm hoping this episode recorded properly. I hope so too. Oh my goodness! If, if you're listening to this episode right now, people, it recorded properly, and <laughs> and also I haven't shot myself because there's a very good chance that I'm going to shoot myself if I go to listen to this in about 30 minutes, and it sounds like dog shit. I mean, if it is, next time let's just do it live. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just live stream. Just, just live stream <laughs> yeah. on Facebook, guys. Here, watch this. <laughs> For real, though, like honestly. Oh, it was. This one went well, though. I like this one. I. It was good. Yeah, my, my dog is sleeping right now, and he's twitching so much and snoring. <laughs> my cats are sleeping too, but I don't. I can't. I don't see them, so I'm hoping they're sleeping. Oh, he's I'm, right next to me. I'm getting texts about going to play Pokemon because it's a Pokemon event today. Ooh. <laughs> here's, here's, exciting here's, lives of <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now Pokemon and reptiles goes together and this is why because it's a collector's mentality when I play Pokemon okay. you gotta have all the Pokemon you gotta collect them all it even says it in the game you gotta catch them all and so True, I'm that, that way I'm that way with like Sambo it's like in my head I'm like I need one of every species and they're like no I need two of every species so I can make more of them and so I want to collect them all and uh, that's one, why like one reason I kind of I was really happy I settled on sand boas. I was like, I can actually work on doing that and house them all. Whereas if it was like boas and I want to have all these different morphs and that, that's a lot of cages. That's Guys, true. My dog is twitching so much. His eyes just blew <laughs> open and then shut. <laughs> <laughs> that's creepy, Megan. <laughs> so creepy. And like half the time he's sleeping, his eyes are half open and it's just, his eyes are like rolled back and it's just white. It's so creepy. Oh, I'm sure there are many more people that can relate to that. With dogs. he's so cute, though. It's because it has floppy ears. Does he? I mean, does he howl or like when he like does he do that? When he's frustrated, he does. Like if you take his toy and don't give it back to him, and he knows he's being good, he'll sit there and just howl at you. I've I've gotten to where my 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 lab mix. I mean, it's a lab mix. <laughs> when I play with her, I can get her to growl, and she sounds. Like she's going to rip your face off. It's hilarious. Oh my but, goodness! But she doesn't. She doesn't bite, and we're going not biting. But I'm just thinking, if I ever do this in public, people are going to be horrified of her because it sounds really bad. It's not like a playful growl. It's like a, I'm going to eat you growl. But she's my, just playing. My neighbor has a pit bull mix that sounds like that. Like when I'm doing any yard work, if I get too close to that side of the fence, he sounds like he's going to come through and bite my head off. But then like when his parents come out, they're like, Hey Zeus, how are you? And he's like wagging his tail and he's this happy little thing. I'm like, Hmm, you're a good watchdog. <laughs> that was our, our old quote unquote lab mix. 
sounded like he weighed 250 pounds if someone knocked on the door. Like, it was different. If we were in bed, the bark he had when someone knocked on the door was way scarier than if we were in the living room with him when someone knocked on the door. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Which is My dad doesn't bark when someone knocks on the door. He just runs to the door <laughs> and wants it open. But like, if one of the other dogs just randomly barks and he's in the other room, he'll let out a bark, like a howl bark. Like, hey, what's going on? Who's there? Like, he'll go over to where the other dog is and be like, oh, it's okay. Like, they're going to be cool. He wants to just love on everyone. But there was one time, which was funny, like my dad scared him. He was asleep next to me and knocked, my dad had knocked on the door and said something and woke my dog up from a dead sleep. And he was like in a protective, angry mode then, which is the first time I had seen him do that. And he like started howling and growling at the door. What was funny is one day I was sleeping in bed and uh, the new dog was, she'll come and she'll lay like right on my legs or in between my legs as I'm asleep. And it was the day that we found out it was something about the new house. So it's good news about the new house. And so my wife, the lights are off in the bedroom the lights are off in the hallway. And my wife was running down the hallway to wake me up. And as soon as she comes running down the hallway and jumps in the room, she said that our dog started growling and came like right at her. I was like, yeah, that's my, my dog. That's, anyway, that's, how, that's how I know it's sh- my dog. We should probably wrap this up unless everyone wants to hear dog stories. <laughs> everyone wants to hear, No one wants to hear ball sack cat stories. Well, I didn't share any, so <laughs> not this time around. We can talk more about snakes. April, April wants to go enjoy she somehow wants to go enjoy Arkansas, which I'm not quite sure how that's gonna happen, but it's pretty out. It's I know everybody, everybody in Arkansas that's listening is like, fuck you. When it my is, dog yeah, wakes up, pretty. we're going in the pool. So I will Heck say yeah. Arkansas is a pretty state. Like just natural resource wise, it's it's a very pretty state. Yeah, and I have to do laundry. I have to do adult things. So boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. I'm gonna go play Pokemon. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Megan, if people want to get a hold of you and if they want to buy that last green anaconda you got, where can they find you? Facebook, uh, Instagram. Where? I rarely post on YouTube, but YouTube as well. What do they what do they search on? Do they just search anacondas? But they're probably I mean, good. They probably literally probably, could search anacondas but, and find you. That's not, not kidding. Um, YouTube is Megaconda, Facebook is Megaconda, and then Instagram is my first and last name, very much. Yeah, and you figure out how to spell them. That's your that's your job, listeners. If you want to find her on Instagram, you figure out how to spell her name. Yeah, correctly. Good luck. I have a very it's basic different. name, but it's not spelled right. It's, 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 it's very it's a very white girl. It's 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 a basic name, but your parents are like, let's add some letters. Exactly. Like we gonna get fancy here. <laughs> All right, if you're looking for me, you can find me at Designer Exotics on Instagram, on YouTube, and on Facebook. What about you, James? Uh, that is a loud dog. Just my mom's dog, unfortunately. <laughs> little rat dog. And he woke up my dog. <laughs> so if you want to find me, you can find me at Simply Underscore Serpents on Instagram. You can find me at Simply Serpents on Facebook. And if you want to like. And I will have Sambo's in about a month and a half. I'm, again, I'm going to plug the hell out of them because I need them to go before the other ones get here. And then if you want to find us on the podcast, you can get us at the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or the Reptile Gumbo Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any topics or suggestions, shoot us a message. We'd love to hear them. We'll talk about them. Each week we do post on our Facebook page. Uh, asking you to give us any Facebook, YouTube, news articles, anything that you saw that week that you want us to discuss. Uh, 
I want to thank Megan for coming on and, and hoping this all works out because uh, I, I can't take any more disappointment. No kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, thank, thank you, Megan. It was great. And I hope that your anacondas uh, start boning and having babies because I, I want to see a snow. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is it for me. That's it for me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.